Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his jeans from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome back to the Big East Barroom, week number eight, going over the last week of the regular season. Um, some people might be sad that the Big East regular season is concluding, but you get the best uh, month of college basketball coming up, and we get to all avoid that baseball's not coming back. So I know that's huge. So Ryan, how you doing this fine Sunday Warm evening. I mean, you're saying exactly right. It's the most bittersweet time of the year. Um, you know, the turnover in college basketball is different than any other sport you're going to follow. So when the year ends, you know that, like, you know, teams are vastly going to change and, and all that kind of stuff. So you try to absorb it and appreciate it. And it makes all these must-watch games because these might be the light. You know, Colin Gillespie is only guaranteed two more games in college. Yeah. And after that, we might never see him play basketball again. He might be playing overseas. So it's must-watch, and I'm not going to miss it, and you just try to soak up everything that you can. Yeah, starting on Wednesday, you're going to have people playing their last game of their college career. Uh, we think that probably Butler, DePaul, or St. John's, and Georgetown, are, some of those kids are going to play their last game of their collegiate career. It's bittersweet, but it's also the this is the time of the year that makes people into, you know, from a guy that you is, gets a warm welcome when they come back to a guy that they're dedicating a whole day to. Um after so yeah absolutely i don't know if you remember juan howard's quote he's uh, and he would know he says was that after he smacked the guy on the top of the head this was actually last the year. quote is actually that's it it's just a whack <laughs> this was actually last year and he told the kids he said trust me guys if you win something in this town they'll make you a legend of course he's famous for what the fab five did um yeah they only made a final four and he's still a legend i mean this is what you t- yeah i mean we talk about all the time what's the difference between ryan boatwright and like shabazz napier it's shabazz napier has yep. two national championships boatwright does have one but i mean my whole point is you win a national championship anywhere i think it's it really right. elevates you to another level absolutely kemba walker's still a legend in connecticut that's why we don't bring aj price back for aj price day and we love aj price he went to the pros but March does something different in ask Villanova fans. I mean, there's certain guys that are, yeah. you know, Gillespie can elevate himself into that. Makes you an absolute legend, so we'll see who kind of writes that story. It's very exciting. Yeah, so housekeeping quick. Um, before we get started, we are, if you're looking for a Big East tournament preview, um, stay tuned. We are planning on recording right after this and dropping it on Tuesday morning. Um, right now, we're going to kind of go over the week that happened before. Just a quick, you know, recap. And then we're going to kind of review the season. Go over some first team, first team, second team, and honorable mentions. And freshmen were um, announced today. Um, we're going to go over if we have snubs, maybe our moment of the year, game of the year. Um, teams that maybe are kind of wanting to forget some of the year happened. So this is our wrap-up. Yeah. If you're looking for a preview for Big East Tournament, we'll definitely come out with that. We're excited to do it. But this is going to be a wrap-up for the season that went by, and we want to you know, kind of go over everything and appreciate everything that we got to see. So um, yeah. we'll so, be talking about that. And we want to also be transparent. On Saturday, Ryan and I went down to UConn, down to stores, to see Senior Night there. So some of these games, we are going to just have to go on some of the box scores, some of the highlights that we saw. Um, as always, we love the interactions you guys did. Some of our stuff really blew up this week for um, – in terms of our Twitter, we'd love to see that continue to translate to our podcast. Um, 
I now know that if you do not include Jalen Brunson in a poll um, of the best players of the last 10 years, even if you are flippantly saying it from a while you're eating dinner, um, people are Villanova fans are going to come at you. The nicest fans in college basketball turned out to be uh, to come for me a little bit. Still maintain that Chris Dunn won back to back player of the years. I'm talking McDermott unanimously. Kemba Walker's Kemba Walker, but. Uh, we le- did learn some things, and we did get uh, we had a kick out of interacting with you guys this week. So keep it up, and uh, let's push. We're at a, you know combined between the two of us, we're getting close to twelve hundred followers. Um, we understand some of those people probably overlap, but at the same time, we came into this you know even a month ago. I think we had a combined like six hundred followers. So to double just in about a month's time is really impressive, and that's thanks to you guys. Yeah, we love um, you know getting to promote Big East basketball. We'd love to someday be the face of Big East basketball. Um, Biggie's basketball podcasting. We love talking about it, um, and we we want you know to bring attention to it. We want to keep talking about it. We want to hype it up. So that's kind of our goal. So it's our shameless plug. Go tell somebody about it. Send out a link. Retweet us when it comes out. Do anything you can. We really appreciate it. If you love Biggie's basketball, you like us because we want to be good for the health of Biggie's basketball. So without further ado, let's jump into the week that was. We only played three different days this week. One game on Tuesday. Four on Wednesday and five on Saturday. So they did make it a little bit easier in terms of you didn't have to dedicate every day to watching Big East basketball. But they made it harder because there were a lot of games happening at the same time or within a few minutes of each other. So do you want to kick us off with Tuesday, which might have been the game of the week? All right, let's run through them quick. Number 11, Villanova defeats number 9, Providence, 76-74. to 74. Caleb Daniels goes for 20 points. Con Gillespie, 14 points, 5 assists, 0 turnovers in 37 minutes played. Jared Bynum goes for 19 points and 10 assists, and Noah Harkler 15.7 rebounds in the loss. For moving to Thursday, we have Georgetown going to play Seton Hall. Georgetown no. goes 68 to 73. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm rolling with this one. Whatever we got. Uh, for Georgetown, Holloway had 16 points, and Caden Rice had 17. For Seton Hall, Roden had 16, and Kadari Richmond and Jameer Harris both chipped in 12 in the winning effort. Seton Hall escapes, continues the perfect season for Georgetown. Uh, moving over, St. John's defeats Xavier, 81-66. Tariq Colburn goes for 20 points on 5-07 from 3. Posh Alexander, 17 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. Triple-double watch over there. For Xavier, Colby Jones hit, gets 13.6 rebounds. Jack Nunji gets a double-double, 12 points, 11 rebounds. Not enough. Later in the night on Wednesday, we had UConn visiting Creighton. UConn cannot break the Creighton spell. UConn loses 62-64 to to Creighton. For UConn, RJ Cole, first team RJ Cole, scored 20 points. First team, Adama Sinogo had 13 points and 16 rebounds. For Creighton, honorable mention, I guess. Ryan Kalkbrenner had 22 points and 10 rebounds. Arthur Kaluma came in really hot, started the game with 15 points. And second team, Big East player Ryan Hawkins had 13. And that's enough of those Big East, team, Big East players. Finishing up Wednesday night, DePaul defeats Marquette 91-80. to Javon Freeman-Liberty goes for 26 points and 9 rebounds. David Jones, 16 points, 4 assists. For Marquette, Justin Lewis, 26 points, 10 rebounds. Daryl Morcel, 12 points. Uh, Marquette still trending in the wrong direction. For Saturday, if your team was in the Big East and you did not win the Big East regular season this year, your team played on Saturday. We'll start with Villanova going to play Butler on senior day for Butler. Villanova wins 78-59. to Justin Moore had 15, or 16. Jermaine Samuels had 15. For Butler on senior day, Chuck Harris had 19 and Bo Hodges with 12 to d- 
close out a disappointing season for the Bulldogs. Moving to the next game, Seton Hall defeats Creighton 65-60 in what was a good game. Jared Roden led Seton Hall with 18 points and 6 rebounds. Alexis Yetna gets a double-double off the bench, 11 points, 11 rebounds. For Creighton, Ryan Cockburn, 17 points, 8 rebounds. Ryan Hawkins had 10 points. 17 points. 17 points. I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> Moving to the game we were at, UConn Senior Day. UConn survives a late DePaul rally and wins 75-68. to For DePaul, Javon Freeman, Liberty, with 22 points. Johnson had 14 points. For UConn, it was Adama Sinogo and Tyrese Martin doing the heavy lifting. Adama had 26-11, and 11, while Tyrese had 19 points and 16 rebounds. Moving on, Xavier defeats Georgetown 97-75. Nate Johnson goes for 25 points on 7-11 from three. Jack Nunji gets 16 points, 9 rebounds for Georgetown. Dante Harris gets you 19. And Muhammad, Amino Muhammad, 15 points, 16 rebounds. And the last game of the Big East regular season, the Johnnies visited Marquette, and Marquette rights the ship a little bit. They get an 85-77 win. For the Johnnies, you had Julian Champagne with 15. Dylan Adewusu had 19 points. For Marquette, it was their two-man wrecking crew of Justin Lewis with 28 and Daryl Morsell with 20. To bring them to an eight-point win. So I did speak too soon when I said Marquette trending in the wrong direction, huh? Well, they would No, you were being a very contemporary. You were saying Marquette was trending in the right direction. We were living in the moment there. Was trending in the wrong direction. Yes. Great for them to turn it around uh, and get the last win of the season, but I still think it's a hard argument that they're going into the tournament hot. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, the thing that should scare everyone is Marquette can get hot real, real fast. And we saw that during the regular season. Um, it took just that one foul um, you know, and we'll talk about that game later, but that one foul ends up making a huge difference. Um, yeah, we'll kind of jumpstarts their season. So we'll see if Shaka has a little bit more magic in him. Yep, that's it. That, that's exactly how I'd say regain the magic, um, recapture that magic because they don't have it recently. They're not playing the same intensity that they were. Uh, Justin Lewis and Darren Marcel is a great duo. Yeah, they're having a hard time rebounding the ball right now, and um, it's showing because teams are just getting, you know, second effort. Marquette's uh, second to last in the Big East in rebounding. So, um Definitely good to see Marquette get a win. Tough for St. John's, who kind of had a nice week before this to, you know, lose a you know a close game like that, um, an eight point game. But they did get that win against Xavier earlier in the week. So we have some teams that are, you know, that five, six, seven, eight, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, depending on how you view Creighton after the Nemhart injury, is going to be wildly interesting in the Big East tournament. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. You want to just do a quick team of the week. Um, before we move on to kind of our wrap-up for the whole season. Yeah, I'm going to let you go because I my team of the week would have been your team. All right, so I'm just going to highlight Villanova here. Uh, they go 2-0 for the week. They smack Butler, and they beat Providence also in a really close game. Um, they're absolutely trending in the right direction at the right time. They're 7-1 and in their last eight. They're fo- In that time, they're 4-1 and against NCAA tournament teams. Um you know, they looked excellent against Providence. Providence kind of snuck back in the game late. Uh, Villanova had had a healthy lead. It ends up being a two-point game. But, you know, Con Gillespie was excellent. He committed zero turnovers in 37 minutes of play. I did, a, I did a quick stat lookup. That's the fourth time in his career he's played 35-plus minutes, committed zero turnovers. Um, I'd call that impressive. Yeah. I mean, I would. And, and I don't want to rag on Con Gillespie because I love him and he's my player of the year, but... You know, those late turnovers against UConn were really kind of what killed them. Yeah. Um, he had a few late turnovers. So the fact that he came out against Providence and he put up the, that stat line is a really good sign for Villanova's postseason chances. Um, you know, Caleb Daniels, six man off the bench, 20 points. Um, you know. And I thought one of the most impressive things um, 
They get that huge emotional win on Tuesday. They're not playing for anything going into that Butler game. It's senior day at Butler. Butler has six seniors or super seniors. Butler has every reason to come out, and I know they've had a disappointing season, and Villanova just lays it on them. They, they win by 22 points. Um, they played their starters way deep into the game to the point where I kept looking at you going, they need to take someone out because, God forbid, you have an injury happen in that situation. Um, it looked like they were just trying to tune up and get right in that game. And, you know, they really, you know, they impressed me. You had a, such a balanced effort. If you have Justin Moore, 16, and Jermaine Sanders with 15, and Gillespie had, I think, 11 in that game, or four, uh, 13 in that 11, game. 11. 11. You just had such a balanced effort. It just looked like, you know, and they played Longino for long stretches in that game. Um, yeah, they played their um, their starters, but they also got some time for Longino, which I love to see. Longino impressed me, hit a couple three-point shots, played good defense against Butler. Um, I think Villanova's just a terrible matchup for Butler also. Butler yeah. plays such a slow pace, and Villanova plays such great half-court defense. Yeah, um, Villanova's focus is incredible right now, and I think that that's kind of the scariest part about it. Jay Wright just has, like, it's like he did everything right during the season. Hard non-con. Tough start to the opener when they lost by 20 points. Build, 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 build. No real bad losses in Big East play at all. Um, and then just be ready to go. And he's Laser got focused. Got him rolling right now. They would have won eight in a row if it wasn't for that late um, kind of problem they're in, too. With UConn and RJ Cole, you know, doing some incredible things. Yeah, but they win that game 90 out of 100 times. Right, exactly. you know, 99 out of 100 times. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, you can't even... Those things happen in college basketball. Yeah, so call me a broken record. Jay Wright has his team rolling at the right time. Yeah, good for him. So, all right. So the Biggies, first team, second team, honorable mentions, and freshmen were announced this year. So we're going to quickly run through them. We're going to talk about snubs, things we might have changed. Um, you might have seen that we put out our first team, uh, Biggies first team this year. Um, and they're a little bit different. So I'm going to go over what the actual people who have a vote and people who should care about matter are said. And then we'll go over um, what we think. So for the Big East first team, you have Jared Roden from Seton Hall, RJ Cole from UConn, Adama Sinogo from UConn, Colin Gillespie from Villanova, representing Marquette, Justin Lewis, and St. John's back-to-back first teams, Julian Champagne. Colin Gillespie was our only unanimous um, selection on this list for the biggie second team nate watson from providence ryan hawkins from creighton justin moore from villanova jared bynum from providence and javon freeman liberty from depaul going into the honorable mentions the four honorable mentions are ryan cockbrenner from creighton posh alexander from st john's daryl morcel from marquette and jack nunji from xavier the freshman team arthur kaluma from creighton jordan hawkins from yukon Alexander from Creighton, Ryan Nemhart from Creighton, Cam Jones from Marquette, and Aminu Muhammad from Georgetown. So you can do you want to talk about your snubs or what you would have changed or So mine is out there, um if people want to see it. It's on my Twitter. My six were starting with the ones that we agreed on. I had Gillespie, Lewis, and Sonogo. And then I had Ryan Hawkins, Justin Moore, and um Jared Byron. Those were my six. So to me, if we're talking biggest snubs, it's Justin Moore of the ones that I had in that they didn't have in. I think he was most secure. Um, yeah. So I was really surprised to see he wasn't on there. I think. Um, well, I think Justin Moore not being on the list um, is kind of a. It's kind of what happened with Providence that they were just so balanced at certain times with Samuels, Gillespie, Caleb Daniels, um, that Justin Moore almost got overlooked. Um, he did miss a few games this season. I was a little surprised that the committee did not take into account injuries more often. 
um, than they, you know, than I would, than I would have personally, uh, as much as I think Javon Freeman Liberty is one of the best players in the league. Um, and we'll talk about this as we get a little bit further, but he missed seven huge games. Um, and the team really floundered without him and not his fault, not blaming him, but at the same time, like, that's gonna, a significant portion of that's a of significant you only play about 16 conference oh. games and he missed about half of them right um so i do think it's really hard no i agree you hate to see him get left off the list because he was so dominant um when he was playing but i, I think at some point you you miss so much of the season that you're not on the list uh i i see your point about justin moore playing on a balanced villanova team but that team's uh had trouble scoring at times and justin moore has not had trouble scoring he's been a great shooter um, he's really done a little bit of everything for them. He gets to the rack. I think he, you know, he, he's posted people up at a higher level than Colin Gillespie this year, probably, and that's obviously Colin Gillespie's uh, calling card. So, I think Justin Moore was an All Conference player. I got to watch a lot of Justin Moore this year. I was blessed in that capacity. I don't know how you watch his games and not say that's an All Conference player. Yeah. So my biggies first team go, going into this was I had Gillespie. So no, the ones I had the same were. Gillespie, Sonogo, and Lewis, and I actually put after thinking Gillespie, Sonogo, and Lewis have the firmest scripts, and those are the three I got right. Um, Moore ended up on the second team. I had Ryan Hawkins on the first team. I thought what he did at Creighton, maybe it was expectations versus reality, what he did coming out of nowhere, having the most double-doubles in the Big East, um, being a Division II player last year and just jumping up and becoming a Division I stud. I thought that was crazy impressive. Um, I had Jack Nungy. I was more on the team of... It's a body of work. It's a whole season rather than giving it to someone like, you know, who's going to come in the first team. Um, so that's why I put Nunji. He did make the honorable mention list, but that seems to be the one that I uh, missed the most on. So, yeah, I think Jack Nunji, Jared Bynum, RJ Cole, um, you know, they all deserve to be somewhere in the vicinity of the first team. So I can see. Yeah. And I mean, what, what RJ Cole did at UConn this year? Um, being just the star of, you know, it was Sonogo. We said often that Sonogo is probably the most talented player. Maybe not most talented, but he was the, could be the most dominant. But RJ Cole steps in and it really is a leader there. So I do understand why they put RJ Cole on there. Um, I was, and now I'm, I hate doing this, but I'm going to do a little bit of like why I would move certain people down and why I would move certain people up. Not to say um, anything negative about this person because I would put Jared Roden on my second team. But Jared Roden in Big East play this year. So he played 19 games in Big East play, shot 38% from the field. Um, Justin Moore played 19 games in Big East play. He shot 40%. Justin Moore scored uh, 15 points a game, where Jared Roden scored 15 points a game. Jared Roden obviously took a lot more shots, or about two more shots a game. They shot the same from three. I don't know. I saw Justin now, Moore. Jared Roden did rebound better than Justin Moore, I believe. I don't Jer- know if you have In Big East play, Jared Roden had about six yes um more had about five uh Roden is a or more is a little bit of a better passer one two assists to one assist a game uh same turnover per game um pretty much so I do think it was a very I end up when I look at the stats it ends up being a closer conversation um I do think that Jerry Roden ended up being a you know their team ended up having a really tough stretch and it directly correlated when um Bryce Aiken went out but he had a really tough shooting stretch where he was shooting um, in these games, he shot 18%, 23%, 29%, 44 33 He just had a rough str- uh, stretch of shooting games when DePaul was really kind of – or not DePaul, when Seton Hall was kind of going through it when they lost three out of four. He was really struggling 
um, shooting the basketball a little bit. It looks like he really did turn it around, um, especially with a 30-point effort for Xavier where he shoots 58%. Yeah, he was really important down the stretch. I agree that he had some efficiency problems, but he also felt like he had to take on a lot of the offense. He did. Um, I know. Especially after Bryce Aiken went down. And even before Bryce Aiken went down, he was taking a lot of shots for that team. So, you know, I love Jared Roden. He was my preseason pick for player of the year. I love watching him play basketball. Yeah. The, the art of the mid-range game is lost. He has it. Um, but I I agree with you that Justin Moore is in my preseason uh, in my postseason um, all conference team over Jared. I'll be honest. So after looking into the stats a little bit more there and knowing what Roden meant to his team versus what um, Moore meant to his team, because Roden was the, clearly the top dog after Aiken went out. Um, Moore was clearly the second guy behind Gillespie. Um, kind of no ifs, ands, or buts. I can honestly, I think that's kind of just splitting hairs at this point. Um, I've kind of, I'm changing my tune a little bit that I think Justin Moore and Jared Roden, I thought Jared Roden had a much harder shooting stretch and maybe it was just those five games where he shot like 18% um, at certain times kind of blinded me to it, but it looks like he just came out. I mean, the last, they've won, what, they've won one. And again, this is not against, you know, world beaters, but they've won five in a row. Uh, DePaul, Butler, Xavier, Georgetown, Creighton. And during that time, if my computer will cooperate. He and in five wins he's averaging. Uh my computer's not gonna work for this, so I might just have to kill time for the next two few seconds. Uh Go he ahead. was huge in the Xavier <laughs> game. I mean, you know, I got to watch the Xavier game. That was he was really important. Uh you know, he's been shooting the ball from outside a little bit better, which was important for Seton Hall, who at one point was one of the worst shooting teams in the conference. But you know, to me, Justin Moore was the second best player on a top 10 team. And Jared Roden was. But Jared Roden was the best player on a team that he willed to a tournament team. I mean, these last five games that he played, um, let's go last six because this includes the UConn game. He averaged 19 points a game. He shot 46% from three. And this is the time that you had to do it. And Seton Hall was close to a bubble team at certain times. And he just, you know, they kind of willed him off the bubble. Um, Listen, I don't want to die on the hill that Jared Roden is not. I think I've cha- I'm changing player. my tune. I love Jared Roden. If he's the one that stays in of the, of the three I disagreed with, I have no issue with that. Yeah. Um, my other issue is a man that I did not think I would end up loving as much as I did as a college basketball player. Um, Ryan Hawkins, I thought, should have been put on the first team over Julian Champagne. I only, you know... Again, this could be splitting hairs in certain regards. Julian Champagne had a tough season in terms of his shooting. Um, he shot 41% for the year, where Ryan and he shot um, 41% from the year, and he shot 33% from deep. Ryan Hawkins shot 37% from deep, and he shot 55% from two. Okay, you are throwing way too many stats at me right now. Uh, Ryan Hawkins shot 45% for the year. Julian Champagne shot 40%. Ryan Hawkins shot 37% from three. Julian Champagne shot about 30% from three. Okay, so Champagne had a bad shooting year from three and, uh, and, overall. And Julian Champagne, and this is where, and again, maybe the, just the narrative got lost to me. When his team needed him most, they went one and four. Um, the 15th game, if I could see here, if it'll move. They went. They lost to Creighton. Seton, this was their stretch. Brutal stretch, by the way. They played Creighton, Seton Hall, Seton Hall, Villanova, Providence. They went one and four. In those five games, Julian Champagne averaged nine points a game on 29% shooting, and he shot 18% from three. Yep. Uh, 16% from three. And if you find... Averaging one free throw per game. 
If you follow St. John's fans, this was a complaint they had all year. I, there was disagreement. Do you blame Champagne? Do you blame Anderson for not running enough set plays? Um, I can't speak specifically for those games, but Mike Anderson sure runs a lot of set plays for Champagne. So, and um, they came on strong at the end of the or he came on strong at the end of the year. You know, he really ended up salvaging the season. You know, it went from being a kind of a lost season in between there, where you thought. Is he is he going to consider coming back to another year? And over his last ten games, he averages twenty points a game on a, again not great shooting, thirty nine percent shooting, but he shoots thirty two percent from three, which is you can kind of live with that at certain times. But again, I don't want to have to justify why Julian Champagne is better than his stats say when you have someone like Ryan Hawkins who averaged fourteen points a game and he averaged eight rebounds a game. This kid yeah. kept Creighton going especially when they had so many young guys on the team, so many freshmen, so many you know guys who hadn't played big minutes. And I understand that Ryan Hawkins, this is his first year playing uh, Division One basketball. Every time they needed a big shot, he had a threes. Um, at the beginning of the season, Creighton was finished, or predicted to finish eighth in the Big East. They finished fourth. And that's in large part due to Cockbrenner. That's in large part due to Ryan Nemhart, but that's, I think the biggest part yeah, for Ryan I think, Hawkins. I don't have the final tally, but Ryan Hawkins was leading the conference in double-doubles a week ago. Um, and there was a lot of double-doubles in this week, so that might have changed. But he was awfully close to winning the or leading the conference in the end. Uh, I agree with you. He was also on my list for all-conference players. You know, it it really comes down to how much do you weigh team success versus um, well, and, player and I, success. Champagne does put up more points. He's the leading scorer in the conference. People say, when's the last time the leading scorer got left off the all-conference team? I don't know. It probably hasn't happened in a long time. Um, but Ryan Hawkins was so instrumental to the success that Creighton had where they completely outperformed, you know, the preseason metrics and expectations. So. Yeah. Julian Champagne this year shot 495 shots. Ryan Hawkins this year shot 341. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a 33% more if I'm doing my math right off the top of my head there. So I just, again, maybe splitting hairs, I think Julian Champagne is a great player. If you said who's going to win one-on-one, Julian Champagne or Ryan Hawkins, I'll take Julian Champagne twice or every time and twice on Sundays. Um, I just think Ryan Hawkins had a better year and he was right there. I do think that if Julian Champagne was not the preseason first team guy that he was and well-known coming into this as, you know, the best scorer probably in the Big East, I'm not sure he would have made the list. Yeah. He will be a better pro. Absolutely. His I'm, game translates to the NBA very absolutely. well. He's got great length and mobility for a guy his size, and he's a good shooter for a guy his size, but, you know, his efficiency was was not And And you can impressive. blame a lot of that on him not having a whole lot of other people that have uh, stepped up throughout the year to help him out. Like, I'm not saying that, you know, he is, you know – I'm not saying that he is the you know reason that he had to shoot so many shots. A lot of time he was a guy who you wanted to shoot the ball, even if he wasn't going to make all the shots. Um, I do think you're right that you know one of the things I'm interested to see here. What our pro scouts just going to look at his brother, um, who's it looks like he's having a tough year. But I mean, nobody really plays as a rookie in the NBA unless you're special. But um, he's averaging two and two a game. Um, are they going to just look at him and see? Like, is that the comparison? They're legitimately twins. So. Yeah, they are. But that doesn't mean... No, they are. They are. They are. That doesn't mean they're the same quality shooter. No, of course. Right. Champ- and Julian Champagne, I didn't get to watch a ton of Justin. He played at Pitt in the ACC. Uh, but I caught a couple of his games. He didn't seem to have the same shooting stroke that Julian does. So, 
we will see. Did you see the game where Justin was at um, Car- Carnival? Yes. I mean, Bordeg. if they had had him too, Julian and Justin. Julian, Justin, Posh, and Aaron Wheeler as four of your starting five with Soriano probably at the five. I mean, I it seems like St. John's figured out a lot of ways to mess things up this year. But, I mean, the fact that they would have. I wonder if Mike Anderson looks at that and says, man, if I could have had both of them. Well, St. John's fans are talking about he's one of the best players to play on the team in 20 years. Yeah, I mean, like... And, and they did nothing with him. And they didn't even make the tournament. And Posh Alexander is one defensive player of the year and his... Nobody has a complaint with Posh Alexander. And then Aaron Wheeler turned into, like, the best third option in college basketball. He ends up being one of the best three-point shooters at his volume and in a conference. It was insanity. I mean, the fact that they're not going to the tournament this year, I don't... I don't mean to get into a St. John's tangent, but I have read a lot about it, the frustration. I don't understand... You play with your personnel, in my opinion. I don't understand why Mike Anderson still decided that we they didn't have to play real defense for the entire 40 minutes, that they could just play this style where they could try to steal the ball and then run and then shoot a quick three and then do this. You had the talent. You had the talent to compete. And, and they could have played uh, you know, pressing defense like Marquette, which still would have utilized Pasha Alexander's great defensive skills, and he leads Absolutely. the conference in stealing the ball. But they fall back into half-court defense, where St. John's just doesn't seem to fall back into yeah. half-court defense. I don't know if they want to run the same you know, kind of setup that Marquette has, and they just do it poorly, or if they, they have a different defensive philosophy overall. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I mean, you know, with that kind of scoring threat in the half court, you don't need to play 40 minutes of hell, wild, out-of-control basketball. You will win if you just play normal basketball with that level of talent. Yeah, and the fact that they, he never even tried to adjust was kind of – I can understand why St. John's would be infuriated um, yeah. with some fans. Um, for his second team, I the only thing I would change, um, I would put Cockbrenner instead of JFL. Um the reason I would do this, I would I would have Posh normally on this, but Posh missed a f- quite a few games, and if I'm going to take JFL off the list for missing games, I also have to take, um, I also have to put take Posh off the list for missing some games. Um, Cockbrenner had a really incredible season defensively. I know that that won't come through on his uh, basketball reference page as much, um, but he ended up having a really good year, um, and I just think that one of the things that's if you're only going to play 16 games or so of conference play and you miss seven of them, I don't – I in my opinion, I don't think you can be on that list um, of players. And, you know, the, just a step we saw from Cockbrenner from going six points a game to 13 points a game um, and being a better rebounder. Best offensive rebounder in the conference leads all kinds of advanced metrics, including some on defense, which we'll get into, so let's not talk. But And also, I mean, we saw what he brings to on the offensive end against UConn just this week. Oh, my God. Um, what he did at Adama Sinogo at the end of that game was insanity. You know, wildly underrated. Isn't giving, I mean, the motor he has for a guy his size, he's almost... I mean, he's not a rim runner. Nobody's going to get confused with the rim runner. But G's on some plays, he sure looks kind of like one, you know? Yeah. So um, I, w- I would move Cockbrenner up, and I, I think it's almost un-American to say anything bad about J- Javon Freeman Liberty. Um, the only reason I'm just moving him down is only because uh, only because of the injury. I think Javon Freeman Liberty had a good chance to win Big East Player of the Year, maybe, if he had been healthy and played like he did um, at a lot of certain times. So um, that's the only one I would change there. So those are kind of our takes on the all-conference team. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, we've already been talking to some of you, but if you want to get in our comments after we post this and tell us you know, what you agree with, what you don't agree with. Um, so I know you had another section you wanted to talk about you're excited for. Yes. Yeah, so um, Big East this year treated us to some great games. 
Um, I think we were the top half of the Big East played some great games against each other too, which was fun. So um, I want to just kind of go over the games of the year and then get your opinion on them. So I'm going to go over them quickly. Um, I don't have dates attached to them, so I'm just going to give a quick like. So the first game that I have is Villanova versus Providence. This was the one at the dunk where the dunk was crazy. Um, Colin Gillespie ends up hitting a lot of shots down the stretch um, to win that game. The next one I have is Villanova versus UConn at UConn. Uh, this is the RJ Cole hits the floater. RJ Cole takes a charge. UConn wins, um, even though being down five in the last 30 seconds. The next one I have is Seton Hall versus Marquette. Seton Hall, this is a game that changed two seasons. Uh, Greg Elliott draws a, uh, draws a charge, or no, draws a block by giving Bryce Aiken a concussion that cost Bryce Aiken the rest of his year. And then the last game I have is Xavier versus Providence, the game where the dunk leaked. And they went to three overtime. Paul Scruggs hit a massive um, three as well. I do think I am missing a game on here where Jared Bynum called onions and hit that was three. That was Providence at Xavier. Providence at Xavier. So I think I'd be remiss not to mention that game as well. Um, three different Providence games in here. Providence did play close games all year, so it does make sense that they and they won close games all year, so it does make sense that they're on here. So if you had to pick your Big East. Game of the year. I got to go Nova at Providence. Um, the two best teams in the conference finished one and two, ranked highest all season long, one and two. And then Colin Gillespie, um, who is the only unanimous first team, wins the game for you. Uh, that was pretty special. The level of basketball was such, such a high level of basketball. The shot making, you know, uh, what did they end up scoring in the 80s or something? Uh, I'm sure you could find that for me, but. How Jared Bynum was incredible down that stretch. He couldn't miss. Al Durham comes in. He gets like 10 points in a row. You saw everything. A.J. Reeves goes off at one point. Um, yeah. That's, I, I, that's the... That's, yeah, no, I'm looking at the Prov- the game. I tried to do Villanova at Providence. Um, so you 89-84. 89-84 in a game that doesn't go to overtime. And Gillespie was hurt going in that game. Remember, he had yeah. sprained his ankle the game before. And it... So I, you just saw everybody go off in that game at different points. It was such a fascinating game to watch the different... Um, the storylines were just crazy. And that was the game where they got the ball to Nate Watson and he dominated the first half and then they could not get him the ball in the second half. At the beginning half. of the second half. Yes. I think he had like six points in a row in the first three minutes of the second half and then they don't go back to him. He never gets another shot yeah, and, or something. And it was just so many different storylines going on in that game. The dunk was crazy because it was like... The first time that you had seen two top 10 teams playing the dunk in years and years yeah. and years. I mean, it was a raucous environment. You weren't sure about Gillespie and Moore because they both messed up their legs. Um, so they were both kind of, you know, questionable. You thought Providence had all the momentum in the world and kind of Villanova was like, easy now. Like, yeah. we're still And I we're think Gillespie Villanova. goes for eight points in the last 90 yeah. seconds. He hits two huge threes and he hits yeah. both of his free throws. 33 in points in that game. I mean, we're talking... One of the better performances. Maybe like the performance of the year. In the that's Vegas. one of the best games you're going to see, you know, in five years. Yeah. So for me, that, that's that got to be the game of the year. What's your take? Uh, For that game or just in general? No. What, oh, my, would you pick? I, I between two. Um, I don't – the Providence-Xavier game, so many different storylines in that game. The one that went to three overtimes. Um, That was when the dunk ceiling leaked. Um, That was when Paul Scruggs hit that three, you know, up against it. That's where Jared Bynum hit that three almost from half court mm-hmm. to, you know, to really put the game away. 
Um, that was an incredible game, and I don't. That that was the game where the commentator keeps saying, "Oh, Providence isn't running any offense." And yes, like, their offense is Jared Bynum. Yes, there was Jared Bynum was the best player on the court. They're running ISO for Jared Bynum. They're just getting out of his way because I mean he was unstoppable. Was... And my bias take for the game of the year was the game I was at um, Villanova UConn. Uh, I think w- from a storyline perspective, UConn hasn't had a game like that. However you feel about UConn, UConn hasn't had a game like that in years since we went to the AAC. Um, so UConn was jumping. I think kind of the whole sports, college basketball at least, world was kind of at least tuned into the game a little bit. It reminded me a lot of that Providence-Villanova game um, where everyone was kind of like peeking their head in to see like, hey, what's going on here? Like we got some a good game. Um UConn's been saying we're coming, we're coming, we're coming for a long time. Villanova, you know, has kind of been we're here. Then Hurley gets ejected in the first 15 minutes of the game. Um, kind of reaffirms what everyone says. This guy's unhinged. He can't, you know, he can't keep his cool in the big moment. He just cost his team. You know, they get five points on that possession. Gillespie, it's the first two free throws. It's one in the next one. I think they even then hit a three. They get six points on that possession. You have an interim coach. UConn looks rattled. Andre Jackson gets a technical. Luckily, Justin Moore... Not luckily. Justin Moore throws the ball back at him. They Double technical. UConn looks like they're out of control. Kimani Young then stems the tide. But Villanova plays a great game. Villanova's winning that game with 35 seconds left. By four going to the line. And then all bedlam kind of breaks loose. Caleb Daniels misses a free throw. Polly comes across the screen, hits a three. UConn gets a jump ball. And quotation marks, Cole hits a floater, then Cole hits the, you know, takes a charge. I think I'm biased because I'm a UConn fan, so I can name all that, but I can't name another game where I can just name every step that happened down the stretch of a game. Well, we kind of did with the no yes. at Providence. Yeah, but every step was, if one of those steps doesn't go a certain way, that game isn't I the same. I still will go with my pick, but I would say that game is was as important to its program as any game played all year. Yeah. What that meant to UConn, uh, you know, obviously the court gets stormed afterwards. And, you know, I turned to you yesterday when we were yeah, yesterday when we were at the game and I said that game's highlights will be on the video screen next year. Oh yeah. In the pregame, you know, hype video. Um, you know, the call for RJ Cole there is gonna go, you know, down in history with cardiac Kemba. Um so I, I that was a huge game, um, and I don't think it's a bad pick at all. All right, we have all that positive news here, so let's move on to some news of teams that have been, if you're still listening to us, you really must love Big East basketball um, if you're one of these teams, uh, a fan of one of these teams, because you had a rough year. So, so we're going to talk about underperforming teams? We're going to talk about the underperforming teams. So you got a team? I mean, let's get the elephant out of the room. We didn't think Georgetown was going to be very good going into this year. Um, they were picked in the Big East to finish um, 10th. They finished last. They finished 11th. When you don't win a game, you underperformed. I'm sorry. Nobody goes into a season that they're not going to win a game. Um, Georgetown has kind of made their bed. They have said that they are going to bring Patrick Ewing back. Patrick Ewing has said he's going to come back. Um, I don't think a first-round exit in the Big East tournament is going to change that. That was the only thing that I could think would change that if they lose and then the guy says, I can't go 0-21 in a year. But I don't think that's going to change. So 0-20, they canceled their first conference game. So I never made it up. 0-21 or whatever. Um, or 0-20. I just said the same thing back. I was very sure about that. Um, I don't think that's going to change. So we don't. I don't think we really have to spend a whole lot of time talking about Georgetown. No, not much fun stuff to talk about with Georgetown. We already touched on St. John's, which obviously was picked fourth in the conference. Um, you know, how about we talk about Xavier 
and Xavier is a tournament team, and they still have time to turn things around. You know, they get the win over Georgetown this week, but they also lose to St. John's. Uh, that means St. John's swept them. You know, they're going to finish up the season really poorly. And you know, Travis Steele just seems to get on the microphone after every game and say, our defense wasn't good enough, our defense wasn't good enough. Uh, but clearly that there's some structural things going on there that, you know, they're having the same problem every week. So Yeah, and I think a lot of what we're going to have to do with underperforming versus overperforming teams is obviously expectations versus reality. We're not going to put UConn on an underperforming team because they came in third when they should, when they were picked to finish second at the beginning of the year. You know, that they finished where they were expected to. We're also not going to put, like, uh, we're not going to put DePaul, even though they finished 10th, on an underperforming team because they finished 11th and showed a lot of, you know, good things this year too. So expectations versus reality when you're talking about underperforming. Xavier, when you go into a season with Jat Nunji, who we were excited about to see because we watched him in Iowa. Well, and, and hold on. Paul Scruggs and Zach Freeman, though, were all first preseason first, first team. team. They're the only people that were all first, all Big East first team preseason players that did not even get on right. any team. And they've been complete. I don't want to rag on the kids. I mean, they're good guys, and, you know, they, they don't get paid for what they're doing out there. They did not have the season that they were hoping for, and they'll tell you the same thing. Yeah. And, I mean, it was, it was detrimental to them at times. I think um, Steele ended up. You know, but you have so much experience on a roster, it's not going to get better next year. Um, you have Colby Jones is maybe the best glue guy in the conference. I love Colby Jones. Uh, Jack and Hungie, Zach Fremantle, Paul Scruggs, Nate Johnson. I think the Johnson Paul Scruggs injury, and Nate Johnson are done. I know. Uh, I believe Nungie's done. Or we're not We're not 100% sure if Jack Nungie's done, but I can look it up after this short break. Just um, kidding. You know, Zach Fremantle missed the beginning of the year with an injury. He never looked completely right. He was a better shooter. And Travis Steele said it. He said in practice he's a better shooter than what he's appeared in the games. Yeah, Jack, well, Jack Nungie's confusing because he's he has five seasons already, but two of them are redshirt and one of them didn't count. So I have no idea how many seasons Jack Nungie has. So left. he probably has at least one more year of eligibility. But he could have as much as three more years of eligibility. All right. So he, <laughs> That's we'll, crazy. We'll see if he comes back. I actually don't know if he went through senior day with uh, – with Xavier. Um, but, yeah, Xavier, you know, and especially when you compare Xavier to what they did in their non-conference, they beat Ohio State in that great Paul Scruggs dunk on EJ Liddell game. Um, you know, they have so much offensive talent and they have so much maturity and experience. And so, yeah, I, I think they're a pretty disappointing team. They have time to turn it around, and they're going to go to the NCAA tournament, and maybe they'll do great things, and I'll eat my words. But for for right now, I'm going to say Xavier. They have Xavier right now. I know Lunardi's not the best for um in terms of bracketology all the time, but they do have um, them in his first team, or one of the last four in. I wonder if they do lose, if that would change anything. Um, I think it's Xavier, St. John's, Georgetown as the underperforming. I'm disappointed in Butler. Again, you returned a lot of talent from teams that were really, really successful. Um, and you look at any of those kids, you ask all these guys if they want Bo Hodges on their team, I think they say yes. Stug. Bryce Golden at the beginning of the year was a stud. Aaron Thompson is a really good um, defensive point guard. I mean, you just had you had certain pieces. Bryce Enzi played really well at certain points. Um, they never came together. I don't know how much that is Big They East. were never competitive. Well, yeah. I mean, they they take Providence to overtime, and you know they play a good game against Marquette, but 
I never felt like you know they were giving good runs. They don't pull yeah. any games. They don't even end up in the middle of the conference. They end up. And some of that is well. you know I just wonder sometimes like is the Big East is such a good conference. Someone's going to beat you every night. Like, someone's going to lose every night, and maybe Butler just ended up on the wrong end a lot of the time. I, it's a tough season for them. Um, I have heard a lot of whispers that Laval Jordan might be done there, but teams don't like to start over every few years. And, you know, college basketball is one of those things where you can have a really bad year, and then the next year you bring in the right guy or the right kid, and you're all of a sudden um, talking about the top half of the conference. So we'll see what the – Butler AD does, but I do think that Laval Jordan's seat is a little warmer than he would have liked at the beginning of the season. Now we're gonna if we're gonna do overperforming teams. I mean, there's just one answer, right? Oh, I think I see. I think I have three. Uh, you gotta be the Providence Friars. Oh, number one, the Providence Friars overperformed on every metric, probably other than their own. Nobody, even the I most mean, diehard Providence fan, did not pick them to win the regular season this year. Team of the season, even if you want to give Villanova like, credit for what they team did. Team of the season, like in college basketball, you know. Like not even in, not even in the Big East. They lose an NBA draft pick, David Duke, and you know they, they return a, they get a bunch of transfers in. You know Jared Bynum's a nobody who like he's made more three point shots this season than he had made his, his t- entire career. Yeah. Um, you know Al Durham was not that special at Indiana. We knew it, Nate Watson was really good, but like it was kind of a one man show. At Justin Maia was not all of this before he got. No, Horkler wasn't even this good last year. You know, I mean, and people weren't. You know, they love Dead Cooley. He's the hometown kid. And he's a great guy. I mean, you just need to tune into any of his uh, his interviews, and you'll know he's a great guy. But he's a legend now in that town. And, um, you know, this is a legendary season for them. This is a season yeah. they'll talk about for 20 years, you know, 30 years. Yeah, now Providence has the weight of expectations, though. So now they're going into the Big East Tournament as the one seed. Um, they kind of were the darlings for a while this year. Then that kind of turned into people were rooting for them to lose. Um, but I, I do, I am interested to see how they handle these expectations. They're going to get, they're probably going to get Xavier. It looks like in the first round, um, it, I, I don't want to just say they're going to get Xavier. We will talk about this more, but Xavier just took them to triple overtime. And then the other game they won on a buzzer. Yeah. Beater, but so. if we're just talking regular season and I oh, know, yeah. and I hope that what happens in their postseason does not discount for what they did in the regular season, but they should take a lot of pride in, in the performance they put up. This Absolutely, season. and they're the over not overachieving. They performed better than expectations at the beginning of the year. Times a million. Um, oh, the players fun. performed better than but anybody was expecting. I want to give such a shout-out to Creighton and what Doug McDermott did there. Ed Cooley is going to win the Coach of the Year running away. I hope that McDermott gets a lot of votes. Um, this guy... Went from losing all five, five of his starting players, and he had a wily center who was lanky and didn't wiry. score. Wiry center who did, was lanky and didn't score. And he brought them to finish fourth. And if they had won yesterday, they would have been third and probably the best conference or basketball this year. Um, hit what they were able to do, what Ryan Cockbrenner became. Why is Doug McDermott scouting Division Two games and found Ryan Hawkins and said, that's the guy who's going to be my second team biggie. Think about that. Think about that, college basketball fans. Ryan Hawkins, last year as a junior, was not considered good enough to play Division One basketball. That does not mean that at means Creighton. Long Island University. That does not mean at Creighton. That's a, he, they deemed him not good enough to play at Central Connecticut State University. Acorn State. This kid comes in 
and scores 15 points a game and averages nine rebounds in the best basketball conference of the world. What did Doug McDermott see that led him to believe that? And that's not to discount Division II college basketball because it can be really high level. But boy, oh boy, I mean, we are talking about one of the great talk All about right, that so as a recruiting you, so job. we are i'm gonna point out you made that slip where you're referring to him as son it's greg mcdermott doug mcdermott oh doug mcdermott game. i'm so sorry greg mcdermott uh but yeah I, I, I agree with everything you're saying i mean ryan hawkins i mean that's uh talk about diamond in a coal mine um yeah you know yeah you can greg mcdermott took three starting freshmen a d2 player and Ryan Cockburn and made him pretty much the third or fourth best team in the Big East, and, and they're cleanly into the NCAA tournament. I mean, just and beat ranked teams. They smacked Villanova by twenty. They beat UConn twice. I mean, what he, whatever he's doing is working there. Um, I believe, and we don't need to get too into this. We talk about this. I think he is the offensive genius in the Big East. I don't well, think, I think any, he's a defensive genius in the Big East. He he runs very good defense, and he does a great job changing to his personnel. But I don't think anybody runs the level of offensive set plays that he does. And I will quickly, and I'm not going to harp on it, I will quickly just jump on Marquette did overachieve for what they were picked to finish ninth. Um, I think that we're a little bit down on them just because of how their season ended. Um, But great great job by Shaka Smart getting a lot out of those kids at certain times. At certain times, they were easily the third best team in the Big East. Easily. They were better than UConn. They were better than Xavier. They were better than Seton Hall. Um, no, really nice season, and now he ha- he'll be in the postseason in the NCAA tournament. And I'm not betting against Darren Morsell. I'm not betting against Darren Morsell and Chaka uh-huh. Smart in a situation. And he, most of the time, they're going to have the best player on the court, which is Justin Lewis. So right. it's a great recipe. So All right, so that's going to kind of clean that up. So we got one more thing we want to go through, and these are awards that are not given out yet. This is your player of the year, defensive player of the year, coach of the year, freshman of the year, and sixth man of the year. You're going to hear our predictions, and, uh, you know, we'll see if we disagree on anything. So Yeah, we, we mainly – it looks like we run chalk, actually, down the board of things we agree on. But I did put somebody in parentheses for each one just because I think it would be boring to say, yes, sir, yes, sir, uh, I agree with so you, I'll, sir. So I'll go through mine, and then you tell me, um, you know, kind of your debate point. Yeah. So I got player of the year. I got Colin Gillespie. It's got to be him. He's the best player on, um, you know, Villanova who will end up being the highest-ranked team in the conference, right? Uh, well, Providence is still ranked above them, uh, but I think that Villanova that has a better chance to get a three seed in the or a two seed or a three seed in the tournament than Providence. And Providence is ranked above them before Villanova just beat them again. So that is true. Um, I yeah, think that it was for fun. So, uh, so I, I'm giving it to Colin Gillespie, uh, defensive player of the year. I actually thought a lot about you know I want to give shout outs to Ike Obiago, um, Isaiah Whaley, Pasha Alexander, Kirk Queff. But I end up giving it to Ryan Kalkbrenner. Uh, he's second in the conference in blocks. Um, rates really highly in the advanced stats for defensive possessions. And, uh, you know, I think he really affects game plans in a way that, you know, I think he affects game plans the most. You know, he affects shots at a really high level. Now, I got freshman of the year. I got Ryan Nemhard. I think that's pretty indisputable. Nobody else was running a team the way, as a freshman, the way Nemhard was. Coach of the year is Ed Cooley, yep. open and shut. And sixth man, I'm giving it to Jared Bynum. I think that's pretty open and shut as well. Yeah, so I'm going to go uh, – I I actually have every single one the same, which is kind of annoying. Um, I'm a Yankee fan to spite my brother who is a Red Sox fan. So to agree with him is pretty annoying. But I also um, – I do have like some points. I think player of the year is Gillespie fully. Um, I think at different points in the year. It was other people. I think Justin Lewis had a great opportunity. Um, Marquette struggled. Um, I think Julian Champagne at the beginning of the year had an opportunity. 
he really struggled. We talked about that. Um, I think Adama Sonogo had a great opportunity at certain points. He didn't. Re- I, his struggles were more based on people just started double teaming him and changing, and he didn't end up his usage or his percentages didn't really change. It just no. And I think that we pretty much can confirm that because he's the only unanimous. Um, yeah, Conglas be the selection. Conglas be the player. Of the so year. I believe that we're going to see on Wednesday. It's going to come out that he's player of the year. Yeah. So for defensive player of the year, I did put Adama Sinogo in that opportunity. Adama Sinogo averaged two point one blocks per game. Kalkbrenner averaged 2.7. Adama Sonogo averaged 8.6 rebounds per game. Ryan Kalkbrenner averaged 7.5 rebounds per game. Um, I think all, like a lot of things, um, the metrics aren't perfect. Um, but I do think defensive metrics are the thing we can go on the best. We can't just go on blocks or rebounds um, or steals. I do think Ryan Kalkbrenner is the defensive player of the year. I have heard a lot about how well Jack Nungy grades out defensively. Um, but I... I'm looking at his stats now, and he averages uh, 7.5 rebounds, so right in line with Cockbrenner, but about uh, 1.4 blocks, and Cockbrenner averages 2.7. So Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go off the point with Adama Sonogo. I think that he absolutely has been a great defensive um, presence for UConn, and nobody had him as a potential no. defensive player. We said he was a liability. We be- like yeah, awesome. going into the season, we believed he was a liability. Uh, you know, UConn runs a hard-hedge defense, and Sonogo, we thought, was going to have trouble with the mobility required, but he, he ended up being great in it. Yeah. And uh, he does block a ton of shots. Um, For someone who's well. kind of like six foot nine. Yeah, but Ryan Cockburner just oh, has yeah. so much length, and he affects so many shots that, you know, he doesn't end up blocking. You know, I, I pointed out in the UConn game that was just this past week, he's credited for zero blocks. Now, if I went back and made highlights of, you know, of um, shots that were missed because of his presence oh, yeah. at the rim, you know, he really affects the other team. Well, it's the same with the Obiagu. Obiagu's not leading the country in blocks, but at the same time, um, Ike Obiagu, you watch an Ike Obiagu game, if he gets near the ball... He gets up there and that shot's changing. Right, absolutely. Um, but Cockburner plays almost oh, ten yeah. minutes more per game. Oh uh, no, I'm saying Cock. I think Cockburner's a player, um, defensive player there. I know there was talk at the beginning of the year about Kirk Kawath. Um, he did not rebound well at all for Marquette. Um, he averaged about four or five rebounds per game, which is unacceptable. He for had two tennis. games where he had seven blocks. Kirk Kawath? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Two seven block games, but uh, you know he just wasn't. Um, Consistent enough. Consistent, and he actually started getting benched a little bit towards the end of the season. So, uh, you know, I don't think it will be. Although he has two point five blocks, but he only averaged he averaged four rebounds a game as your center on a team that struggles with rebounding. Can't do it. Yeah. So um, then you had Ed Cooley. I'm not going to go into any further. I do believe Greg McDermott deserves votes, but um, at certain points it was Shaka Smart who was in the consideration. Um, Ed Cooley. Pull the pole. Love Greg McDermott. Any other year, it's him and Shaka Smart neck and neck. This year, it's Ed Cooley by a landslide. Because, again, Ed Cooley should probably win the national right. coach of the year. Right. Um, for freshman of the year, only person in competition, in my opinion, is Amina Muhammad. Uh, fascinated to see what that kid does. Does he just say, what is the point of me coming back? And if they're going to run it back at Georgetown, what is the point of me coming back here? Does he say Patrick Ewing might be able to get it, you know, might be able to figure something out me? I mean, he shot 37%, but I talked to a lot of Georgetown fans recently, and they said he was just chucking. Like, he would get the ball, and, like, it was like either he's scored or nobody scored. He's a double-double machine. He's he's one of the best rebounding guards in the conference as a freshman. I haven't seen a draft board recently. He was getting looks in the second round. Um, 
you know, I don't think he stays at Georgetown. I think he either transfers or he goes pro. I don't, you know. He, and nobody's winning an award when you have an 0-19 season. So. Yeah, so no. no uh, Great player. I mean, individual stats are right there with Nemhard, but. Um, and Jared Bynum gets it, obviously, because he's the only six man on either of the first three teams. And, right. Um, every All positive things to say about uh, what Jared Bynum was able to bring to that team. Um Incredible, Mike. We both have him as the MVP of their team. So, uh, coming off the bench, doing that is pretty impressive. Yep. So I think that's gonna wrap up our uh, Big East kind of the re- season that was show. Yeah. Um, we don't have any more regular season. We're gonna we're gonna go in and we're gonna we're about to record a uh, preview episode for the Big East tournament. We're gonna kind of just run down. It's gonna be light. It's gonna be about twenty minutes. Um. Then we're going to start after games. You're going to probably hear from one of us after each game, maybe like a, just a quick five to ten minute stretch where we talk about um, the game that was, the game that happened. Um, depending, I mean, we're going to try around our work schedules. Obviously, this is not a lucrative business, business yet, so we are fully employed and have to do that. So, so um we appreciate all that you guys did for us. Um, we really had a lot of fun this year for the regular season. Um, again, it's bittersweet because we are moving into the, you know, the end is in sight. And that's sad. But at the same time, this is the what we, you know, this is what you do it for. It's, you know, right. you're, you're finally performing. This sport sure goes out with a bang. So um, it's sad that it will be ending soon, but it's fun to watch it end. So we appreciate you guys. Thanks for, as always, pulling up a stool. And uh, be on the lookout for our preview episode, which is going to drop Tuesday morning.